David and Lucy in the chairs while Will is on paternity leave. Also, Commissioner Grant Stevens is in the studio with us. Morning, Commissioner. Good morning. Great to have you in, Commissioner. We always love our catch-ups here in the studio. Hey, before we get down to the stuff that's running currently, can I just throw you a bit of a question without notice about the Sophia Naismith case? Because I, for the life of me, cannot remember a case that has galvanised public opinion so much where people, rightly or wrongly, because we understand that the, the judge in the case, his hands are tied by the limits of the law, so many people I know, including some who actually work in the law, was sort of scratching their heads about the extent of the driver's misconduct and how that didn't kick it into the realm of of causing death by dangerous driving and stop short at the, the lower level of, of aggravated driving without due care. Do you ever feel as police that you put all of this effort into a case and that's the result you get? Uh, look, I think... Um yeah, having looked at the judgment, I think there was a very good explanation as to the the limitations in relation to what what could be applied in that case and the reasons for taking death by dangerous driving off the table. Um, to, but to speak generally, um, and having been a detective for a big part of my career, um, I, I think you'd uh, you'd go berserk if you sort of laboured over uh, an outcome from a prosecution that you you weren't agree, uh, weren't happy with. Uh, the reality is you do your very best um, and I know that uh, our major crash investigators, our investigators in other areas, detectives, uh, major crime, uh, specialist crime areas, you know, they are absolutely relentless and very dedicated and they do take it on board personally when you know you have an adverse outcome from a prosecution but you, you have to rationalise that and move forward because my, my view has always been if you know that you can sit back thinking I did my best I, I did the job that I'm required to do uh, whatever happens in the rest of the process is outside of my control so yeah you concentrate on the things you can make a difference with it did seem to be such a spectacular example though when you look at the guy's history of hoon driving and so on and I know that there were things that they couldn't quite establish during the trial but the the extent to which we've got and you know we see it every morning at 6:45 with someone doing 123 yeah. in a in a 60 zone and, and and what have you hoon driving is something that that energizes the public's mind big time and i know that it has yeah. clearly energized well you. i i probably draw a, a distinction between hoon driving which is unacceptable and puts people at risk you know that's doing burnouts and driving like an idiot but then you have those more serious offenses which is why i advocated strongly for uh new legislation that targeted uh, extreme speeders mm. because that is just incredibly dangerous you know it's it's one thing to take a chance with your own life but if you're doing a 165 kilometers an hour in a 60 zone you know you're, you're rolling the dice for people that you have you know total strangers you know ordinary yeah. people going about their lives and you have no right to do that so mm. um, yeah well my former media um chief inspector Cole Cunningham used to use I love the phrase it's like firing a bullet down Rundle Mall you know just randomly yeah. shooting a gun in Rundle Mall so mm. you know extreme speed is incredibly dangerous and I'm glad we've got the legislation that enables us to treat it more seriously and it gives the courts an option to actually deal with it in a more serious way and and take people's cars off them the the uh, the situation in in terms of the Naismith case you know some people might think it's too little too late when new laws are being proposed now that um limit the ability for people to avoid the consequences of their behaviour and make 
make offences for people who have these extremely high-powered cars. We we're always evolving the law, and you have to learn from your experiences, and I think it's commendable that these laws are now being considered that will make it harder for people to... Um, behave in that way and not suffer the consequences. Yeah, 100%. Those who you have charged with extreme speed, have you found that to be a deterrence already? Or, they, uh, or what, what's their immediate response? Do they care? Do they not care? If they're going 120 k's in a 50 zone, maybe they don't care. Well, yeah, I try to be philosophical about this. Um, you introduce laws with severe penalties, so people think twice about their actions, but I think the harsh reality is a lot of the people we deal with don't stop and contemplate the consequences of their actions in terms of their own risk to the, their life and the risk they're taking with other people's lives, but they don't stop and calculate how many months they might spend in prison or how long they lose their licence for before they do the stupid thing. We were actually talking earlier, Lisa and I, Commissioner, about um, SA had a bit of a starring role last night on RBT. There's a chap out in Salisbury driving a uh, homemade electric bicycle that had a, like a girl's wicker basket on the front who, in his spare time, appeared to be a bit of a meth enthusiast came to uh, the attention of the constabulary. <laughs> well, it takes all sorts to make a world. Uh, 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 I think it was great that we participated in that RBT program. Um, yeah. You know, I'm obviously very proud of the South Australia Police and you know, comparing the way we go about our job with other jurisdictions, um, I think we showed ourselves in a really good light, yeah. generally did, speaking. Did you see the young um, copper down at Glenelg with the two women who were very, very, very marginally over they accidentally had three pints at the pub, but then the woman... Yeah, I've, lawyer... never, I've never accidentally had three pints, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's been very deliberate. So, uh, I, did see, I did see that some time ago, yeah. He had though, a nice bedside manner. Yeah, very officer. understanding. He, yeah, yeah, by and large, that's how most interactions go with members of the public, and, and that's, that's what we expect from our police officers, to be courteous, professional, polite, and empathetic as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what we get. I wanted to ask you about... The recent car thefts, there's been luxury cars stolen, people physically getting into garages, people targeting car parked cars. Why is that? I'm, I'm only in my late 20s, so I'm roughly in the age bracket, but not once have I ever thought that to be a hobby. No, and it's not something I ever thought about in my younger days either. It's, um, it, it's pretty hard to describe why people do that, but we know it's happening. Um, over the last couple of weeks, um, we've probably had about 180 uh, houses being broken into, and on 29 occasions of those 180 odd, um, they've targeted car keys and they've taken cars in 11 occasions. So it's not every single break in results in a car theft, but it is certainly something we're watching. Uh, we have people that we believe are responsible for that, so we're investigating them. Uh, but once again, it's the um, it's the dangerous nature of what they're doing. Like confronting homeowners in their homes. Um, unfortunately, that does happen quite a bit. Um, I think in that 180-odd over the last couple of weeks, there's been about 20-odd um, occasions where people have been confronted in their homes, and that, that must be completely horrifying, you know, just you know, the invasion of your own private space, but just that fear of being confronted by a total stranger who shouldn't be there. But then we go to the next level is where they do take a car, particularly a high-performance vehicle, which is generally what they're targeting, um, it's a real game for them to drive at dangerous speeds and upload um, images onto social media of the speed of the car and their driving behaviour. Once again, putting innocent people at risk, and that's entirely unacceptable. That's pretty half-witted of them to do that. Have you had cases where you've actually managed to identify the people because of their social media posts? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, it, it, it's not. It does. It's not a slam dunk every single time, but it's certainly an aid to investigation and. 
um, it gives us a, a bit of an inroad. But we're also using our um, aerial technology as well to follow these people and track them down. Mm. Are they mostly gangs, or are you finding just it's the same people every time? But do they working in gangs or just? Oh no, look, I don't think it's that organised or sophisticated. I think it's a, a it's you know it is a particular cohort of uh, offenders that we are looking at. Um, and we do have Operation Mandrake, and we know that some of the the the, the people of interest to Operation Mandrake are committing these types of offences, but I wouldn't describe this as organised criminal behaviour where they're looking to um, you know, rebirth the cars. A lot of it is just for joyriding. Yeah. Right. Uh, David in Redwood Park has called in with a question. Morning to you, David. Morning, yeah. I'll, I'll be careful how I word it. I, I believe the police commissioner will know the ages of these uh, people that are pinching the cars. But my question is, um, and I, I believe... Um, they are repeat offenders. Why um, are they getting let out on bail and then some of them, and I know this for a fact, uh, repeating it the next day or that week? I'm just wondering why they, why, why, why we, uh, yeah, I sort of, I've worked in the system a bit, so I'm just wondering why we're letting them out. Well, uh, I suppose the first point is um, a lot of these offenders are very young in age, like we've apprehended you know, 12, 13-year-old kids in these stolen cars and, you know, they've been identified as young offenders breaking into houses. Um, so when you're talking about young offenders, the absolute priority is the welfare of the child and you know, I don't think anyone would disagree that uh, incarcerating a young child is never going to be a good thing unless they are, um, you know, a, a serious repeat offender and we need to take those steps to protect the community. Um, but everybody has a presumption to be bailed if you're arrested for an offence and we put conditions on on bail but obviously not everyone follows those conditions and if we catch up with them for a second offence then we'll deal with them off for that and they're less likely to get bailed out of um, police custody if they have previous offences. I know this is a huge issue and probably a bit late in the segment to start a sort of boots and all discussion of it but to that point Commissioner does that feed into the debate that's swirling around at the moment about raising the age of criminal responsibility? Because Absolutely, if they're that yeah. young, yeah. it makes um, it even harder to police it, doesn't, doesn't oh, it? Not? So it, my view and the advice I've provided to um, the government, the government got a working group that are looking at the, the merits of lifting the age. This, this is not a, a decision or a policy position that South Australia Police has in terms of whether you should or should not lift the age. Our position, and we've made this very clear, is if you are going to lift the age, you need to make sure you've got a framework um, supporting that decision so that young offenders are properly accommodated uh, because we do have very young people committing serious offences. We need to know that the community safety is not compromised and that those very small number of young offenders who are such a risk to the community that they should be incarcerated or held in custody, we have a mechanism to do that. So, you know, we're happily working alongside this, this working group and providing the police perspective, but it is a decision for government and they just we just want to make sure that there is a proper framework to look after young offenders. Great stuff. Grant Stevens, Police Commissioner, thanks so much for coming in. We'll catch up again soon. Pleasure. Thank you.